Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. G'day and welcome to The Call on this Wednesday. 10 stocks picked by you two experts. One hour, it is April 27th. Uh, let's introduce our guests for today's show. Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial and Chris Conway from Marcus Today. Welcome to both of you on what is a, well, it's just the past uh, 48 hours been fascinating. Well, in fact, of course, it began on Wall Street um, late last week. Um, Michael? How are you interpreting what's going on at the moment? How are you handling it? It's challenging. There's no doubt about it. It's very confusing, I think, out there for for every investor, not just the professionals. Um, It's just hard at the moment to get a gauge on what's going on with inflation. Every time it seems like inflation might roll over, we might start to see supply chains ease. Uh, An issue out of left field sort of emerges. You know, at the beginning of the year, we all thought the economies globally would be opening up. All of a sudden, you've got conflict with Russia and Ukraine, putting pressure on oil prices and sending grain prices through the roof. Um, And now sort of the market was starting to digest that. And now we've got lockdowns again in China and looking at Beijing and Shanghai, which again, place question marks over whether supply chains will ease. So inflation continues to roar ahead. We just got a very strong number here in Australia. Um, The commentators are suggesting the central banks are well behind the curve. And all that does start to play in the minds of investors. So we're treading pretty carefully at the moment. We've started to raise a little bit of cash uh, around the edges. And I was saying off air, the last sort of three to to six months haven't probably been the best period for us at Medallion as investors, just given sort of the the mid cap end of the market struggled. Um, But we're definitely probably um, as confused now as we've been in the last six yeah. months. So it's, we think it's time to be a bit defensive. Yeah, as you say, just so, so much to consider. And Chris, of course, we have just had that latest inflation read, uh, the, um, the CPI hotter than expected. Uh, interesting to see how the Reserve Bank's going to interpret that at next week's meeting. But how important is it to hold your nerve as an investor at the moment? Uh, always, Andrew. It's it's uh, one of the key uh, elements in anyone's risk profile or risk mandate is to um, you know understand the risk that you want to take and then stick to the process. Uh, much easier said than done. We all know that as investors. Uh, and just echoing some of the things that Michael was saying. I mean, uh, you know, I could almost verbatim repeat the answer. Um, I agree entirely that there is a multitude of risks out there at the moment. And the key thing for us is quantifying. Uh, and understand the time frame around those risks. And, and Michael was talking to it. You know, one minute you think it's inflation, the next minute the lockdowns in China, which are feeding the inflation story. Uh, and there's all these moving parts. Uh, again, I agree that the RBA is well behind the curve. You know, the, the local market is pricing in six to seven rate hikes this year, and the RBA only just recently has started talking about the, the, the probability now uh, that we might get one or two. So someone's going to be wrong there and there's a lot of money positioned in a direction and uh, it, it has the potential to create extreme volatility. And that volatility has been delivered upon the market in the past couple of sessions. 
I was very surprised to see the index up at 7,600, uh, challenging those uh, January highs and the all-time highs. And this is something that I spoke about with Scuddy on the trade yesterday. Mm. Really wasn't surprised at it, to see at all. Uh, the uh, the bears really emphatically reject that 7600 level and you know we're we're three days later and it's trading down there uh, 7250 at last check so um, yeah there's a bit going on out there yeah just a bit to consider all right um, now the first five stocks we're going to cover in today's show are South 32 uh, Aristocrat Volpara Infratil and Challenger, our stock of the day is Northern Star Resources in fact we have a Update from a couple of different miners today. Uh, we had South 32 yesterday. We're going to get into that as one of your picks in just a moment. It has confirmed its uh, group guidance for the financial year. It is up to scratch. We'll meet production and cost expectations, uh, raking in some $937 million in sales for the March quarter. However, drilling into the update, uh, its POGO operation in Alaska will be affected by higher costs and lower production. Investors heeding the warning. Uh, shares are taking another hit today. They were also down yesterday. It's actually come back just a little bit to still off close to 3% at this point. Um, Chris, yeah, more broadly, we're hearing this from uh, miners at the moment, just those rising costs, you know, particularly with uh, sourcing labour at the same time. What are your thoughts on, on Northern Star, maybe more broadly with the gold miners? Yeah, you nailed it, Andrew. The, the all-in sustaining cost going up from at the top end, fifteen seventy-five per ounce to sixteen forty. I think is what the market is uh, is not liking today. Hence the reason why the share price is down uh, more than three percent. Um, as you say, that's going to be common across a couple of the stocks that we look at today, and fairly common across the miners as they as they put out their production reports. Just putting all that to one side, I, I do quite like Northern Star as a company. I had the very good fortune to sit next to a Northern Star employee uh, at a mining conference uh, not so long ago, uh, and he was talking to me about you know, nothing, nothing uh, that uh, the market can't know about, but about the fact that they have always gone after really high-quality assets with extended mine lives. That's sort of been their mandate, and they do indeed have a suite. Of high-quality assets that do have that, that, that they all do have uh, quite a long mine life. So their production profile I really quite like. They're operationally excellent. They can't control the externalities in terms of the costs. You know that's being visited on every miner. So I do quite like Northern Star, um, but I don't like gold at the moment. Uh, I, I would say that the the macroeconomic conditions for gold in the last 12 months have been fantastic. You know, uh, flight to safety. Um, flight to uh, fight inflation. You know, gold is typically an inflation hedge. Uh, it couldn't have been any better for gold, and yet gold uh, has gone up around you know 10 or 15 percent over the last 12 months, whereas some other commodities like lithium, for example, are north of 200. So, just in terms of that commodities complex, gold would probably be the last thing that I would want to be looking at. Uh, there's there's a whole lot of other commodities where I'd rather be playing. Um, but in spite of all that, I do quite like Northern Star as a business, but I, I can't buy it. Would you hold it? Uh, no, no. There's other things I'd rather hold. <laughs> Fair enough. Spend your cash elsewhere. Michael? Yeah. Um, yeah, an update today. It's never good when you've got falling production expectations and also increasing prices, and that's being reflected in today's move. Um, the Australian part of the business still makes up 85% of Northern Star's sort of production and, and revenue outlook, and, and that's unchanged at the moment, according to management. Um, but the, the problem is, um, what is the expectation going forward? And it's unlikely that any of those cost pressures will abate anytime soon. It's very hard to get a read on what's going on with the gold price at the moment. 
the gold price itself looking, you know, over the last 12, 18 months has been fairly consistent around these levels. Yet a lot of the gold producers are back 30, 40% from their highs from about six, 12 months ago. So the gold producers are in some way leading uh, market expectations on what's going on in the future with the gold price and the market's a little bit concerned there. Um, our preference when we do look at gold producers is Northern Star. We do think it's a very good business. They've managed to acquire some good assets in recent years and expand that mine life. Um, Evolution Mining is another one we've liked a lot in the past. Um, and then if you look at something a bit more up the risk um, curve, something like a Silver Lake. But in general at the moment, we think that gold will come under a bit of pressure potentially, particularly if interest rates and bond yields continue to have that upward trajectory higher. Um, so we just think it's a, a tough environment because on one hand, yes, inflation is expected to be beneficial for the gold price, but on the other hand, offsetting that rising bond yields mm. is probably a, a net negative for them. So from our standpoint, we're not overly keen on gold at the moment. I mean, some of our clients do hold a little bit in their portfolios um, and that would be through Northern Star Evolution and SLR. So, but at the moment we wouldn't have a buy. We wouldn't really have a hold either, but if some clients like to hold it, we, we, I'll, I'll give Northern Star a little hold. A little hold. As right. part of a diversified portfolio, not with the expectation that's gonna necessarily jump up in the next three to six months. Yep, fair enough. All right, well, let's uh, get into the stocks as picked by you. And we're gonna stay in the mining space because uh, our first stock is South 32. Uh, it's uh, full year production guidance unchanged, but once again, increased cost guidance to reflect higher input costs is the issue here. Uh, Ned saying he appreciates uh, coal stocks have, have run, but is it too late to jump in? I wanna get on board with renewable energy, but surely we'll need to uh, need coal to get us there. Uh, What's well, more sort of diversified as far as South 32 is concerned. Michael, how are you looking at this? Once again, it is that issue of those higher input costs. Yeah, it's been a pretty good environment for S32. It's really a, a mid-tier miner, but it's a, a well-diversified mid-tier miner, which allows investors to get away from that single um, commodity exposure, which a lot of people like. And it's also quite a unique suite of different commodities, not just your typical iron ore and coal. They've got a bit of a blend across a number of, of unique commodities. Um, they've had a, a very good run because commodity prices in general have been moving higher. Um, but you just have to be careful that if we do uh, confront a situation where the Chinese economy does slow significantly, then that would likely impact someone like S32. Um, at this point in the cycle, I've probably got a, a hold on it because I'd, if we do continue to have quite heavy inflation across the world, you can con continue to expect commodities to do relatively well versus some other parts of the market. Um, and S32 does have some pretty high quality assets. Um, they all tend to be in the lower quartile of the cost curve, which is a positive. They can withstand those moves in commodity prices a bit better than some others. Um, but you do have to, again, pay attention to how those costs are playing out. So I'm happy to give S32 a hold at the moment. Okay, Chris. Hey, I'm slightly more bullish uh, on this one, uh, Andrew. I've been, uh, we, I should say, have been holding this in our growth portfolio for quite some time, since about the twos, I think. Uh, and our base case remains quite bullish. You know, we're, we're still bullish on commodities, despite the recent pullback over the longer term. Um, and I think the share price reaction yesterday provides an opportunity. It's a knee-jerk reaction to the rising costs. It's understandable. Um, just reiterating what Michael said, their suite of commodities is excellent. Uh, and just addressing um, uh, Ned's question in terms of needing coal. So yeah, coal is certainly part of South 32's commodity mix. 
silver's the biggest in terms of uh, total production, uh, 10,000 uh, kilotons to the nine months so far this year. And then aluminum, met coal and manganese all around 4,000 kilotons. So um, just put some context in there around where it fits in their, in their commodity suite. Uh, and I agree with Ned that we will need coal to get there as much as we're trying to uh, move away from the old hat, uh, dirty resources for our energy production. Uh, ultimately, there still aren't a great deal of alternatives just yet. Hopefully that will change and the world can become cleaner. But we will need oil and we will need coal to get us there. So um, that element, uh, yes, Ned, you're 100% right. But just be mindful that that's a, uh, only a portion of the uh, suite of commodities that South32 produces. All right, so are you saying it's a buying opportunity where it is right now? Yep, yeah, we'd, we'd be buyers again, yep. Okay, all right, interesting. So that's a, a buy uh, and a hold we've got on South 32. All right, let's uh, move away from resources. Our second stock is Aristocat. Um, and uh, Liam wanting to know about this. It is the gaming technology. Uh, Share prices come off significantly this year. Uh, in fact, um, interesting space to be in. We know where gaming is going. How well placed, Chris, is Aristocrat? I like this one a lot, Andrew. I'm not going to lie. Um, some of the windows have been taken out of the company's sales due to the Playtech acquisition falling over. I don't think the market should really hold this against the stock. I mean, the company, it, you know, the management more specifically, does have an enviable track record of taking on large acquisitions and then getting the best out of them. They've been doing it, you know, consistently for more than a decade. Uh, in terms of Aristocrat's position, it's a market leader. It's been taking share off its competitors. Uh, and as you say, it has pivoted to that online gaming space. And that's where the real juice is, you know. That's the uh, segment that is expected to grow quite considerably uh, in future years. So uh, whilst I love the company, <laughs> can't ignore the fact that the share price has... Um, has been falling sharply for quite some time now. You know, November last year, it's trading towards $50. It's now low 30s, 32 at last check, probably down a little bit more today. Uh, and I just won't buy things that are in a downtrend. So I like the I like the stock, I like the investment thesis. I don't like the chart. I would need to see um, that slide in the share price uh, arrested and then probably turn higher for me to be an mm. actual buyer. But I'll be looking for that opportunity, but nothing more than a hold at this point in time for me. Chris, what do you think it's going to take to turn that around? Yeah, that's a really good question, Andrew. I mean, it's not a great macro environment with rising interest rates and you know discretionary spending. And at the end of the day, gambling is discretionary spending. So um, probably some uh, uh, alleviation from uh, inflation and, and higher rates. Uh, from, from, from the consumer side and some more confidence in the economy, that's probably when we're likely to see uh, gambling spend you know, um, pick up again uh, and that will provide the boost for aristocrat. Yep, okay, Michael. Yeah, obviously that issue, that macro background at the moment is not conducive to, uh, to this company um, given people are going to be really counting their cash at the moment. Yeah, I mean, aristocrat is a business that we've held for a long time um, we continue to hold it. it it's been a good performer for us it was doing a lot better until sort of the last six months or so um, it's done very well in pivoting away people would associate aristocrat with poker machines yes that's still a big part of their business but they've done a, a big pivot towards the social gaming and online uh, casino gaming market um, but it's really the social gaming market which has the biggest potential long term um, and 
There's a couple of acquisitions a few years ago, which gave them the, the footprint in that space, and they've continued to win market share over time. And, and we think that, that will continue, particularly as people you know, continue to play games on their mobile phones or whatever it may be. Aristocrat is in a prime position to benefit from that. Um, their balance sheet's in a very good position. They raised a bunch of cash for an acquisition that didn't end up going through at the end of, end of last year. So their holsters are full. Um, they've got ammo to deploy should the right opportunity present itself. Um, at the moment, whether it's in the poker machine market, their winning market share, whether it's in the social game market, their winning market share. So when the conditions do normalise, um, I think they'll be in a very good position to capitalise on that. Uh, at the moment, the, the, the sentiment to that broader you know, technology um, growth space is just very, very negative. Um, and until that shifts, it's unlikely we'll see much of a shift in aristocrat. But it's a very good, high quality company that we're happy to keep in portfolios because we do think at some stage that worm will turn and, and things will look a lot better for them on the share price front. So from my standpoint, it's hard to give anything a buy when the general sentiment's so negative. Um, but if there was something to buy, this is something you can definitely go shopping on. I wouldn't buy the whole amount that you're planning to buy today, but definitely something you can look to average into if you're taking a, you know, a long-term view over three, five years, because I think this is one of the better quality companies on the ASX. Okay, so it's a belief in the longer-term story for Aristocrat then from you, Michael, and I, will I take that as a nibble? Yeah, you can give it a, you can give it a tentative <laughs> buy, but look, don't be surprised that if we get you know, ongoing market pressure that it falls below the $30 mark and then some. Yep. But again, I think if you look back at this price in a couple of years' time, you'll probably be very happy. Okay, all right. That is Aristocrats. Let's move on to Volpara uh, Health Technologies. It is, um, provides uh, software for screening clinics. Uh, has, in fact, collated one of the world's biggest data sets of breast images. Um, Olive wanting to know, I've been a shareholder for a while and noticed there's a new chief executive. Should I be concerned? Yeah, well, Michael, that's always an issue, isn't it? Um, you question why is there a change at the top and what's going to happen to, to mm -hmm. company strategy? Yeah, I mean, it's... This company, it's actually been around for a while, but has really sort of emerged um, on the scene, if you like, in the last couple of years. Um, the technology seems unbelievable. Um, you know, basically they take a, thousands and thousands, if not millions of, of data, of breast images, and, and try and identify breast cancers earlier on than a traditional doctor would be able to. Um, their technology is used in something like 30% of breast screens in the US. Um, globally, they've got a, a very large footprint, but unfortunately for them, it's one of these companies that's invested a lot in the technology side of things, but it's taken them a bit of time to convert all that research and development into revenue coming through the door and earnings. And because it's a company with such, you know, a lot of the value embedded in the share price today is based on earnings and revenue out into the future. It's a very long dated asset. And this is exactly the type of company in this environment of rising rates rising inflation that's going to be sold off first. A company whose earnings are in the never-never, so to speak. It's actually a company that we held. Um, we probably bought around the middle of last year. We thought it was very good value, um, but we started to offload it at the beginning of this year just because good stock, but wrong environment. So from our standpoint, it's one you can keep on the watch list because I do think it does have a, a good story to tell and, and the prospects long-term probably okay. But in an environment such as this, these high-flying, growth type businesses um, with you know, f expected embedded future revenues um, way down the track. It's just a tough environment. So I'm going to have to give it 
probably a sell at the moment just because it's going to struggle, I think, in, this, in these environments. Yeah, that's a good way of summing it up. Good stock, but wrong environment. Chris, do you agree? Uh, yeah, I do agree with all the points that Michael made. Uh, I would add something else uh, just to flesh it out a little bit more. So there's about, uh, as we understand it, 10,000 breast screening facilities worldwide. And Volpara is in about 2,000 of them. So Michael's 100% right. It's about 30% of US and about 20% market share around the entire world. Um, that's pretty impressive. Uh, the problem that Volpara faces is that the competition is pretty hot. Uh, there's a number of companies, Quantra, Philips, and ICAD, that are all jostling for their piece of the pie as well and have fairly significant pieces, obviously. So it's that matter of, well, is this technology that much better than the competitors? And is that this technology going to be strong enough to displace the other people that are in the, the space? Uh, and I think the answer to that question is, is probably no, not in, the, not in the significant and meaningful way that will uh, impact the share price considerably. So uh, this one, uh, like I said, I agree with everything Michael said, but this one is about competition for me as well. It's just a particularly hot space. Lots of players in the space. It reminds me a bit of the telcos, you know, a few years ago where they were all stealing clients off each other rather than creating a bigger pie. And that is a margin compression scenario and a race to the bottom. So uh, love what the company does. Really hope that it does well. Uh, has been growing revenues and all those sorts of things, but just such a hyper-competitive space that uh, I, I couldn't be a buyer of this one. Are you selling it though? Uh, well, yeah, if I'm not a buyer, I guess I'm selling, yeah. Well, no, you could hold, you could be holding it. I mean, the share price has come off uh, significantly. I'm just wondering whether you do hold on or cut your losses now. Yeah, no, I think, I think there's other names in the uh, healthcare space in particular that I'd rather be invested in. So it would be sell for me, Andrew. Okay, all right. Next one, Infratil. Uh, it is the infrastructure investment company. It owns uh, renewable energy, digital infrastructure, airports, healthcare assets. Uh, it's uh, pretty diversified in that regard. Plus, it's got a fairly large global footprint to Australia, New Zealand, Asia, North America, Europe. Um, Mark, wanting to know, can you please ask our experts uh, on their opinion? He's a long-term buy and hold investor wondering if this is a good stock to diversify my portfolio, Chris. On paper, it looks uh, it looks quite good. The the diversification and the assets that they hold, uh, you would think, yeah, it's a it's a nice suite of assets. So they own two thirds of Wellington Airport, uh, renewable energy, a lot of the hydro stuff in New Zealand. Uh, they own data centres uh, and they own some healthcare assets as well in terms of radiolo radiology providers. So good stable businesses with stable cash flows, you would think, generate a pretty good return. Uh, just on the financial numbers that I'm looking at, though, it doesn't stack up quite uh, as nicely. So it's got a really low return on investment, you know, 1.7%. Uh, uh, High PE, 51 times forward earnings on the numbers that I'm looking at. It's got a yield of only 2.3%. So it will provide that diversification. But the question then becomes, is there something better? Is there a better asset manager out there that you could have exposure to? And I would humbly submit there is a very, very strong one here in Australia, and that's Macquarie. Uh, you know they've grown their um, uh, their asset management business to now managing some 750 billion dollars of assets worldwide, uh, and they do it very well, and that's all reflected in the share price. So um, yeah, I I couldn't be a buyer of Infratil. I, I like the premise. I don't like the returns and the financials, and I think there's a better alternative in terms of Macquarie. 
Okay, yeah, alternatives. Um, that's always important, Michael. Uh, I must admit it wasn't one I was familiar with before, but looking at their collection of assets, it does appear that there are some businesses in there that seem very high quality, you know, Wellington Airport, um, certain data centres in New Zealand, they also own a big chunk of, of Vodafone New Zealand, as well as various green assets, which over time, who knows, could turn out to be wonderful um, first early investments, if you like, um, once that space kicks off. But looking at the, the cold hard numbers now, it is very hard to get excited. The earnings are very lumpy and you will get that with this type of company as they divest assets, etc. The, the cash inflows or the way that earnings are recognised will jump up and then there'll be some years where not much happens. Um, their dividend per share has been slowly creeping up, so I suppose that's a positive. It's been trending in the right direction, but again, it's only a, a relatively small yield compared to some other alternatives out there. Um, I mean, I, I suppose I can liken it to a Sol Patterson's in, in some sense here in Australia. That would be a, a decent investment from my opinion. Um, Macquarie's not a bad idea either. Um, so I'll have to probably understand more about this company, exactly what their strategy and approach is before I gave it a, a buy. It's obviously well diversified, probably on the lower risks end of the spectrum, which might be what a lot of investors are looking for, but I can't give it a, a hearty buy at the moment. Uh, I can't give it a hold, so I don't know that much about the company. So I'll give it a sell, but it's definitely one to look more into for me. All right, so well, essentially just avoiding it at this point. That's right. um, I mean, do you agree with Chris there that, you know, why not look at Macquarie instead when given the quality of that business? Well, that's right. Um, Macquarie, they're very good at um, putting together syndicates and, and co-investing in certain assets along with their partners. Um, they'll retain a stake of the investment and re retain the management of those assets. So there are some similarities. Obviously, Macquarie's got a lot more exposure to other parts of financial services. Um, but that is, is one example. Solpats is another. West Farmers is also another similar type company in many ways. Um, and I think you've just got to really understand what each of those different asset managers or conglomerate style businesses are really looking to achieve and what they're looking to really invest in. Um, this company does seem to have a bit of a, a green energy um, sway to it. Uh, and that might again entice some investors with a, an ESG uh, prerogative. All right, Mark, I hope that answers your question as to whether you should take a good look at it or not. Our fifth stock is Challenger. Uh, Daisy wanted to know about this one. It is uh, the um, uh, financial services uh, company, remains on track to achieve full year profit guidance there. Uh, well, that's it, it was at least. Michael, what are your thoughts on Challenger? Yeah, Challenger's a hard one. It has one that has enticed me into it in the past. Yeah. Um, but the, more, the longer I owned it, the, the more I realised it was a very complicated and difficult business to analyse. Uh, and it remains that way even at the moment. Um, it's one of those situations where, you know, interest rates start to go down and people question whether or not their products are that attractive to potential investors. Then you get a situation where interest rates are going up um, and then they get a write down on their bond portfolio or their property portfolio and the value of their assets declines. And that's probably a situation that they're finding at the moment that the, the book value of some of their investments is probably dropping. However, their sales are probably increasing as yields and, and things like that go up. They had a fairly good update, I think, the other day. The market initially received it well, but when you look a bit more into the detail, it perhaps wasn't as a good a result as some of the market initially expected. Um, there's a situation where some of those 
new customers or, or new investments, if you like, are just simply rollovers from existing clients whose assets have come to maturity. So yeah, look, it remains a very complicated business. Um, I sort of put it in the too hard basket. It makes sense from a macro standpoint. As the population ages, you know, more and more people will want the certainty of an annuity type investment, but I just find it very difficult to understand. So I'm going to give it a sell. All right. And you take a look at that share price. That's been a long way back yeah. over the past couple of years. Chris? Uh, yeah, once again, Michael's done a really good job of, of, of summarising what's going on there. Uh, the result uh, last Thursday, uh, their guidance would be, they said their guidance would be at the top end of the range, some 430 to 480 million, and that's what the market cheered. And again, once they looked into it a little bit more, they realised that whilst total life sales uh, were up 10%, uh, the assets and the asset values in both their life and funds management are down, and that will probably create some headwinds moving forward. They do have a little growth option there. They're shortly about to commence a move into corporate and SME lending, which would support growth, but it's you know it's a, a part of the business that's in its infancy and will take considerable time and probably capital to grow as well. Uh, I'm a sell as well, but more along the lines of, the, I think that just the valuation looks pretty full at this stage. I don't think there's a lot of upside in this one in terms of the share price. The asymmetry of risk therefore is probably to the downside. Uh, so for anyone who's been holding and enjoyed what has been a pretty good run, I think now would be a time to um, to lock it in. All right. Okay. Well, let's review where we've been uh, with our first five stocks plus our stock of the day. We began with Northern Star on its um, its update today. Chris saying he likes the company, uh, high quality assets, but he doesn't like gold. So. That's a no from him. And um, Michael's saying, look, he essentially sees the market, uh, that uh, gold is under pressure at the moment. And of course, we have those acknowledged cost pressures you know, across the resource sector at this point. He's got a hold on it. Um, staying in that space, our first stock was uh, South 32. Michael's saying well diversified, uh, high quality assets. Once again, he's got a hold on it. And Chris has a buy on South 32. We you know what likes that diversification. It, it is in the growth portfolio of Marcus today and sees a buying opportunity because it has come off recently. Aristocrat was our second one. Uh, Chris saying um, it uh, it's, he won't buy in a downtrend and that's certainly what the company has been in recently with its uh, share price. It's a no, whereas Michael, he holds it and well, he'd had a tentative buy or a, a nibble at it at this point. Volpara Health, um, Michael acknowledges it's got a big global footprint, um, but he's begun, uh, he began offloading it. Um, well, it. To sum it up, he says, good stock, wrong environment. So he's got to sell on it, as does uh, Chris saying it's uh, hot competition in that space at the moment. Infratil, um, Chris saying, uh, looks good on paper, but uh, look, he's, it's, it's a no for him. He prefers Macquarie as an asset manager. And Michael's saying, yeah, once again, high quality business, but he has a no or a sell on it. And finally, their challenger. Uh, Michael's summing it up saying it's a complicated business. He's got to sell, as does Chris. Uh, full valuation at this point has uh, run up in the last couple of years. All right, that's where we're at for our first five. Uh, of course, the call is tracking its own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of that committee meeting is live here to watch at ausbiz.com. So let's check in with the portfolio update. Uh, we've got JB Hi-Fi, ProMedicus, Linus and Instatech Pivot. They were added to the fund this month, joining the original stocks and 20% is being held in cash. 
Um, so just uh, taking a look at it, it has um, changed significantly <laughs> over the last couple of days. You would have thought, I don't have an immediate figure on that, uh, currently 1.78%. Uh, so we'll need to obviously check in with the investment committee given what's happened uh, clearly just in the past week. Keep sending in your requests, keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, let's uh, move to our next five. We'll be covering Redbubble, Zero, Sims, Linus, which is in the portfolio, and Graincorp. Let's begin with Redbubble. Um, had tailwinds of at-home shopping and government stimulus during the pandemic, of course, but they have now become headwinds as it battles what's in that uh, discretionary environment. Uh, share price, in fact, down 70% over the past 12 months. Ron asking, he bought it uh, just below the $2 mark. His question, should I hold on or give in to my losses, Michael? Um, it's hard because it's fallen a long way from the, the heady days. This was a much loved stock. It's, it just shows the, the problems uh, created by COVID in the investment landscape because a, a lot of good news was being embedded in the price and was being you know, a, a contri- or attributed to a lot of it was attributed to COVID and it was being embedded in the price, assuming that those good numbers would continue well into the future. And in this situation, as things have normalised, not any of those numbers moderated, they've gone negative. So earnings growth is negative for this company. Revenue growth is also negative. And it probably makes sense now the share price is back to where it was pre-COVID um, because the business um, has returned to a normal environment. So it, it probably makes sense. So I'd be very careful of jumping in at the moment. You probably want to see the company um, perform during a regular normal environment before you get a better picture of exactly where this company sits. Um, so for that reason, I'll be giving it a sell. Um, I'll just uh, wait and see just to see if it can recapture some of that upward momentum because now that we're back in this regular environment, it's really not looking anywhere near as rosy as it was you know, 12, 18 months ago. Well, I guess you could question if it's a regular environment too, oh, where well, <laughs> obviously you know, discretionary spend yes. is a big issue now, isn't it? Well, that's, that's, that's right. Um, they did things like stripping out the, the benefit they incurred because of masks um, last year, and then the balance sheet doesn't look as good because off the back of that. Uh, I must admit, it's not a company we've ever looked into in much detail because at one point there it was trading on excessive multiples. It's now come back to about 10 times earnings, which is much more palatable. But you've also got to make a decision as to whether you think that business model and that marketplace is a good one. And I just think there's a lot of competition out there these days when it comes to those platforms. So from my standpoint, it's a sell. Okay, Chris. Yes, a sell for me as well. yeah, I agree with you, Andrew. There's no escaping that it's just a tough macro environment for discretionary spending and will be for some time. You know, let's face it, this inflation and higher interest rate environment is not going to abate anytime soon. We're all going to need to learn to deal with it. And that means that we'll be counting our dollars uh, that we spend. So 
a back set of a tough macro environment. Again, lots of competitors. So, you know, just going online, I, I jumped on uh, last night when I was doing some research. Names like Zazzle, Spring, Spreadshirt, Shutterfly, Printify, and Shopify. Trying to saying that three times fast. Um, they're their major competitors. There's a lot of them. Uh, there's a lot of alternatives for people wanting to shop and spend money in this space. Uh, and the other thing, their recent third quarter results showed that there was no turning point in terms of their margin. So they're potentially, well, not potentially, they are still experiencing margin compression. Throw into the mix a share price that, uh, again, is heading south. Uh, and to answer Ron's dis- uh, question more directly, um, you know, I can't buy things that are in downtrends. I can only sell things that are in downtrends. Uh, and the downtrend is there because uh, the macro uh, and the company uh, fundamentals are a little bit shaky as well. So um, hopefully that answers Ron's question. I certainly would be a seller of it. Yeah, I think it does because that is a double sell. So Ron, I think you've got your answer right there. All right, uh, our next stock is Zero, the online accounting software company. Uh, Yaz uh, wanting to know about this, saying uh, shares uh, dipped below $100 again last week. Should I buy now? Well, we've, of course, had movement since then. Um, yeah, Chris, how are you looking at Zero then? Yeah, once again, just thinking about the macro environment, I mean, it's not a great mm. environment for high PE growth names whose share prices are built on the promise of future earnings. It's a point Michael made earlier. Uh, you know, I know it's just sort of a ridiculous thing to point to, but you know, Zero has a PE on the numbers that I'm looking at, one year forward of north of 2,000 times. So um, it's a lot of lot, lot of future promise baked into that share price. Uh, some analysts might run the argument that it has been unfairly thrown into the same basket as other tech stocks that chase growth at the expense of profit or margin. Uh, whether that's right or wrong, the plain fact is that it's happening. Uh, it's been put in that basket. The share price is suffering. Uh, and uh, and it's it's south of a uh, hundred dollars. Um, all that said, uh, you know their business is pretty solid. Uh, Australia and UK appears to be uh, growing and positioned quite well. New Zealand as well, and they do have some early positioning in North America. Although that is obviously a very tough nut to crack, given the position of Intuit uh, with their product QuickBooks in North America. So. There's the opportunity for growth, but again, it just comes back to, is it the right environment? Well, the answer to that question is no, and, and can I slap a, a valuation on it that allows me to you know, buy it and have confidence that I'm going to get a return out of it? And again, I would humbly submit that the answer to that question is no. Uh, what I would say, though, is that with all of these names uh, that are moving the wrong way at the moment, a time will come. A time will come where they get so cheap that they're sort of undeniable, and uh, I would say zero is still a very high-quality uh, and, and growing business, and there will be a price for it. I just don't think that price is now. And when I come to that conclusion, I can only be a seller, I'm afraid. All right, Michael. Uh, this is a company that we've, again, held for a while and done very well off. It's a very sort of similar situation to Aristocrat. It was looking unbelievable six months ago, looking less so today. And then it does raise the question as to whether now is a good time to look at something like this. Um, I will point out that like Aristocrat, actually, Zero does report out of cycle and they've got their reports coming up in the next couple of weeks. So if you are looking to invest in these companies, you're probably better off just waiting another few weeks before you get those numbers Mm. and then making a decision. Um, But I digress a bit. Back to to Zero as a business, very good business, basically very sticky customer base, has benefited immensely from the emergence of the cloud, really took over 
the incumbents um, when it did emerge. And essentially, it's really dominated the market in New Zealand and Australia. And New Zealand and Australia makes up about 60% of the business. New Zealand's growing at about 15%, Australia about 20%. Um, but they're now look, looking to replicate what they did in Australia and New Zealand over in much bigger markets being the UK and the US. Um, in the UK, they're probably having the most success. They're growing about 35% there. In the US, of, of a small base, about 20%. It's probably unlikely they'll ever be able to fully dominate the US market just because there's a few incumbents that have the first mover advantage over there. But looking at the US and looking at the UK, their adoption of cloud technology is really lagging Australia and New Zealand significantly. So you can see that there's probably a large and growing market over there. And if they can pull it off, this business could be worth who knows. But the problem at the moment is it's a very, very high growth company with a very high multiple. Um, they have spent a lot on marketing and research and development over the years and haven't really generated earnings. They just turned um, earnings profitable last year, hence why the, the, um, the P ratio is so high. Um, but it's definitely one in our opinion anyway at Medallion is to keep it on the watch list because it is a company that we think is very high quality. Uh, and when the markets do settle a bit and some love and attention does come back to that growth space, this is probably one you want to have on on the list. Um, and it's one that I'll be tempted to even nibble at now, depending on whether the report's good or not. But it's one I can be considering buying some of now after we get a chance to look at that report, because we do think long term, the prospects for this company are quite good. Um, it's just a tough situation at the moment. So. I've probably got it as a hold at the moment as we wait for their report in a few weeks and then mm. we can make a decision as to whether it's worth buying then. Okay, that's zero. Next uh, cab off the rank is Sims. Uh, Troy wanted to know about this, the global leader in uh, metal and electronics recycling, um, particularly in municipal recycling and renewable energy industries. Uh, although just uh, yesterday, Dramatic fall in its share price. I think a lot of that was uh, stemmed from what's going on in China and concerns there with the economy. Uh, obviously, given what's going on with COVID at the same time. So, Michael, how do you look at Sims and just look at uh, that share price action at the same time? Yeah, I mean, it's been a real beneficiary of the, the rising steel price um, and the fact that, you know, coal's been on the move as well because. Sims effectively is scrap metal. Um, if they take scrap metal from consumer electronic products and different IT assets, and they look to try and recycle those assets, and you know, if steel prices are high or coal prices are high, etc., then you get a lot of the steel makers looking for scrap metal to put into their products, um, and that's definitely been beneficial for Sims at the moment. Um, you look at their earnings, their margins, uh, their revenues, all that sort of thing looks to be at a cyclical peak so that might be a little bit of a concern for those bargain hunting investments out or investors out there but the trend is undeniable and it's unlikely that many of the themes that have been driving the share price high in, in recent times will dissipate anytime soon unless we get a significant pullback in the Chinese economy but if we even if we do see that occur you would expect that the Chinese authorities once reopening does happen will start to stimulate that economy pretty hard um, there are also emissions benefits and, and carbon benefits in using scrap metal that the Sims provide. So a lot of steel mills around the world um, in order to cut emissions and to make themselves appear greener do have a preference at times for, for this product. So 
uh, there are a few things moving in the right direction for Sims. Um, again, I'll just be cautious of the fact of where it, at, where it is at in the cycle, but I'll be happy to hold it um, and ride that momentum uh, at the moment. All right. Um, yeah, Chris, how much of this is the China story at the moment? Yeah, very much tried, uh, tied, I should say, to the China story, uh, Andrew. Just on that China story front, the steel demand from China still remains strong. And uh, as Michael was talking about, they have a, an increasing desire for recycled materials to meet that um, decarbonisation mandate. Uh, and they use scrap to do that. The problem for Sims, uh, as I understand it, and that's because I, I actually know some guys that work in the scrap industry and in the steel industry, uh, and they've all been saying to me recently that there's, there's not a lot of scrap around. You know, everyone's uh, after it. Um, there's a big demand for it, but there's just not a, a lot of product, um, and hence why the prices are so high. And, you know, someone like Sims that does have a volume advantage against you know a lot of its smaller competitors it, it will survive and it'll probably do reasonably well but it's going to be a volume problem moving forward you know everyone wants it uh, everyone's chasing it with higher prices not everyone's going to be able to get it uh, and even what they can get it probably won't meet the demand um, so like I said it's going to become a, a volume problem uh, I, I, I still do quite like Sims they they have the lifestyle services business as well which is focused on uh, e-waste recycling and IT uh, asset disposal. So, you know, you think of a, a, a big company that, you know, the IT department decides to get rid of all the old computers. Well, you know, you've got data storage issues, you've got data integrity issues, data destruction issues. Uh, you've got to meet a whole lot of regulatory requirements. Uh, and I think it was Citigroup put out a piece of research saying that they expect that data storage and disposal and IT disposal segment to grow some 250% over the next five years. So that might be a growth plank for SIMS. Um, and otherwise, it's just, yeah, it just is going to come down to, to scrap volumes. Uh, and like I said, just from the, the, the word that I hear on the street, there's not enough of it to go around. So uh, Sims, uh, all that said, is a hold for me. I quite like the business, operationally efficient, in a good space. Um, uh, but I, I can't be a buyer of it right now because I'm just worried about, first and foremost, the share price has had a really good run apart from what we saw yesterday. Uh, and it's just back to that volume question. Okay. That's Sims. Linus is our next stock. Danny wanting to know about this. Did recently hit a 52-week high. Uh, this is all about rare earths. Uh, demand there continuing to increase, particularly as governments look to lock in those, uh, those uh, supply sources. Uh, that we're seeing that in the States at the moment as the world goes electric. Chris, and should also note that this is currently in the calls portfolio. So what's your... Uh, Outlook for Linus. Yeah, well, I'm not going to go against the team. Um, yeah. So yeah, it would still be a buy for me. Uh, it is the world's largest producer of rare earths outside of China, so it has strategic importance. And the U.S. military, in particular, has talked about wanting to um, move away from its uh, re reliance on China for rare earths. And obviously, Australia, being a ally of the U.S., is probably. Um, is probably where they will be looking. Uh, their Malaysian facility, it's the largest single uh, rare earth processing plant, again, outside of China, so uh, strategically important once again. They recently had a, a, a quarterly update. Some of these numbers are, uh, you know, are exceptional. So their revenue was around 330 million, and that was up from $110 million just a year earlier. And I remember seeing a headline recently that uh, Linus was having to uh, charter its own ships 
in order to get its uh, its rare earths onto ships and over to the over to its customers. So clearly, demand is through the roof, uh, and I think it will be for quite some time. It's all part of that uh, green push, the electric vehicle push, uh, and I don't think that's going away anytime soon. And then throw into the mix that the share price has come off a little bit recently. So I think. You've got a great macro environment, a background environment for, for Linus. You've got an operationally efficient company. Uh, the picture looks really good, and you've got a share price that has come off a bit. So, uh, like I said, I'll stick with the team on this one and call it a buy. Yeah, in fact, um, just you know, this month, it's, uh, it's tumbled quite significantly. So, obviously, Chris, you're seeing that as a buying opportunity. So, Michael, do you agree? Um, it's, it, firstly, management have done an incredible job considering this company was really on desk door going back like six, seven years ago now probably. So the fact that they've been able to develop the mine, um, build the processing plant in Malaysia, they've done a tremendous job just in time to meet the market when demand is building. Um, they are also at the moment seeing increasing costs like all real miners across the world, so you can't really hold it against them. Um, they're one of the, the few rare earths miners in the world where you can where they can assure providence of their material um, so it's not coming from parts of the world where there's all sorts of nefarious operations so that's a, a tick for it um, the thing with, with linus at the moment is the the spot price has come under significant pressure it's just since feb i think it's down 25 30 percent and that's probably contributing to some weakness in the share price and i'll probably want to see that price stabilize and um, the underlying commodity price stabilize before I, I looked to jump in so i'll happily keep it as a whole because I do think there's a lot of the long-term thematics that are in its favour that aren't dissipating anytime soon, but you might end up with a little bit more short-term weakness if that price continues to come under pressure. So happy to retain it as a whole for now. Does that apply more generally, I guess, to this space? So I mean, you've got rare earths, yeah. but you know, critical minerals, battery elements. I think so. Uh, we've seen, you know, particularly with lithium, obviously, been in, not, in an absolute tear. A lot of them now just come back. Yep. Um, are you seeing more potential upside there? It's it's true. Like, they, but these commodities can be really volatile, and you see it the same mm. with uranium or whatever. So, if you're extra cautious, I think it makes sense to wait for a bit of a bottom in the commodity price. Um, but look, some people. Um, that are a little bit more eager, you can look to jump in and just use the weakness as an opportunity to add. That is, that's if you're convicted in the long-term story. So just depends on the individual. I'm gonna take the, the conservative option on TV and I'm gonna say, let's just wait for things to settle a little bit before jumping in and buying more. Keep it as a whole for now. Well, there's nothing wrong with being cautious at, uh, at this point. Uh, all right, well, let's, uh, let's round it off with uh, Grain Corp. Now, once again, the big issue here is what's going on globally, uh, geopolitically at least, uh, given um, the conflict in Ukraine and Ukraine and Russia, both big producers of uh, wheat and other grains, of course. Erin wanting to know about this, saying with all the supply problems stemming from Russia, is now the time to get into Grain Corp? Uh, saying, I know it's been on the up for a while, but does it have more upside? And I guess um, Michael also with Australia, crops are looking really good mm -hmm. with um, those rains yep. too recently. Yeah, potentially. Um, it's very hard in the agricultural space, just given some of the uncertainty factors out there, um, particularly in the Russian-Ukraine situation. Who knows, you might get a ceasefire tomorrow. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that will happen, but that then might open up global markets and supply might resume its normal trajectory. Um, however, that might then that conflict might draw on for, for years and years and years and really impact it in a more um, sustained manner. So 
It's very difficult to know with any certainty. Um, Grain Corp has done another another company, an example of a business that was really doing it tough and they've managed to turn it around. But you have to understand that all factors have really been moving in Grain Corp's favour in recent times. Um, but they do have the whole supply chain down pat from collecting the grains to marketing it and taking it to the ports and shipping it overseas. So they have that whole market really tied up. And you can see, um, just looking at that chart, that things can emerge out of left field and can be very cyclical. Um, we tend to steer clear of commodity companies, or not commodity companies, sorry, um, agricultural companies for that reason, just because it's very difficult to predict with any certainty what earnings are gonna be like in a couple of years time. Um, and my preference ultimately would be to try and pick these things up at a cyclical low rather than a cyclical high. But that's not to say that the momentum that's been building can't continue again in the short term. So depending on whether you're a long-term investor or more of a short-term opportunistic trader type will determine whether you think this is a buy or a sell. Um, I'm gonna take a longer-term view and just go with the hold just to keep the momentum, keep running with the momentum at the moment, but I'm not convicted enough to jump in because I don't really know what it's gonna be doing in three, five years time. Yeah, particularly as you say, uh, so much of this currently is dependent on the outcome of that's that right. conflict in Ukraine. That's right, and that's inherently uncertain and not gonna become any more certain anytime soon. All right, so that's a hold from you. Um, Chris, then, your thoughts for Graincorp? Yeah, I don't know whether you remember, Andrew, but in January, I was on the call with you and uh, Graincorp was one of the stocks then when it was trading uh, south of eight, north yeah. of seven somewhere in the middle there, and I liked it back then, uh, and I still quite like it now. I think even at the time, I might have said it would probably get to $10, and, and here we are. Um, earlier in the month, they provided an upgrade for earnings and underlying profit around 25% across both of those metrics. It was the second earnings upgrade in two months uh, on the back of that strong global demand that you and Michael were just talking about. There's potential for further capital management. Um, ABARES, which is the government agency that puts out crop forecasts, uh, they do it quarterly. Again, the last two times out, they've upgraded forecasts, and there are some expectations that they will do it again and possibly again the next two times out. So I certainly agree that the winds are at the back of Grain Corp. Uh, not only is there a great environment here in Australia with the crop yields and the rains, as you were talking about, but uh, obviously, that situation in Ukraine as well. Even if that situation in Ukraine uh, abates and some of that grain does start flowing around, uh, I still think uh, Grain Corp is one that you would want to hold simply because of the production here in Australia and the fact that they earn a lot of their revenues from storing uh, that capacity as well. Uh, one thing I would say, though, and, and I, I tend to agree with, um, with Michael, is with uh, agricultural stocks, the cycle can turn viciously. It can turn more viciously than, say, in a, a material space, like, say, an iron ore or a, a gold or something like that. So whilst the wind is at the back of Grain Corp at the moment, and I'm happy that I've ridden it from, uh, you know, sort of mid-sevens to ten, uh, and potentially there's some more upside in it, I would say to, uh, who was the viewer, Erin, that if you are going to buy it now, have a very watchful eye over it because... Uh, yeah, things could change dramatically and suddenly, uh, and you need to be prepared to make a quick decision uh, if and when that cycle turns. So you know, it's a buy for me still now. I'm happy to keep holding it. I'll be happy to keep buying it now, um, but just be mindful that, yeah, it is one that you'll keep have to keep a, a hawk eye on. 
What's what's your view more broadly with some of the other um, companies in this sector, be it you know, Intertech, Pivot, or Elders and the like? Yeah, I, I like them all, Andrew. I've actually got a, a little part of the newsletter that I write here at Marcus Day. It's uh, a theme trading section, and one of the themes I have is, is agriculture, and it has Grain Corp, Elders, New Farm, uh, and I think IPL as well. I probably should know that. I think there's four in there. And so hold them all, quite like them. Um, same premise, though. You know that, That's shorter term, and that's more aggressive. But the same premise applies is that whilst they look fantastic now and everything is moving in the right direction, just be prepared that you need to um, hit the exit button uh, at any given moment to, to bust out of that trade if it, if it turns. So um, like it, happy to be in it, but um, very watchful. So make hay while the sun shines. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yeah. Absolutely right. Well done. Yeah, all right. Okay, let's uh, summarise where we've been for the second half of the show. Then we began with Redbubble. Uh, not good from both, um, given where the share prices come right back to pre-COVID levels, as Michael has pointed out. Uh, he's got a sell on it, perhaps waiting to see if there's more upside there. But this is all, you know, with whim of discretionary spending, which is not good at the moment. Chris agreeing, saying also there are a lot of competitors in this space and it's got margin compression. So both having a sell on it, uh, zero. Uh, the online accounting software company, uh, Chris saying solid business, but no, uh, he's got a sell on it, uh, saying though perhaps it's time will come again. And uh, Michael saying they've uh, Medallion have held it for a while. Very good business, very high growth, ambitious expansion plans, particularly in Europe and North America, where he's got a hold on it. Uh, Sims, the metals recycling company there, Michael saying um, it's uh, those themes look that's driving its share price at the moment look to persist uh, but uh, he's got a hold on it and Chris saying does have potentially a volume problem there very hard to source scrap at the moment Uh, he also has a hold on it then we move to Linus uh, the rare earths uh, an impressive company Uh, Michael pointing out that it's really turned around in the last uh, six years or so although points to the increasing cost we're seeing across the resources sector at the moment he's got a hold whereas Chris likes it uh, he's got a buy on it. And finally, their Grain Corp. Uh, Michael essentially steers clear of uh, ag companies. He's got a hold on it. Chris, though, liking it, although acknowledged that the share price has had a sharp run up there um, and it's looking for an upgrade uh, just recently for its earnings too. It's uh, certainly a positive. So, yeah, a buy there from Chris. So that is our show today. Thanks, Michael, to you from Medallion. No problem. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Absolutely. Chris, good to see you again. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Cheers. All right. Uh, just to remind any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email at the call at ausbiz.com.au or you can tweet us at TV. And a reminder, you can find those stocks in the calls portfolio. Head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Mm-hmm.